0: This is the Adoptive Mom Podcast. Adoption may look different for each family, but we need solidarity from other crazy people who took this leap. And that is what we do here. We encourage, we build up, we share the wins and losses. We lean on each other and we get through this together. Thanks for joining us. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Adoptive Mom Podcast. I am Alex Fitton and I have had the pleasure of bringing you five whole seasons now of episodes full of hope and encouragement from guests all over the adoption triad, plus support systems, extended family, counselors, doctors, and more. You can find me on Facebook at Alex Fitton and the Adoptive Mom Podcast and on Instagram at The Adoptive mom. And don't forget to check out show notes, blog posts and lots more resources at the adoptivemompodcast.com. This is episode 15 of season 5 and that brings us to episode 78 overall. This episode is brought to you by Patreon supporter, Carol Barsky. Carol is my mentor in real life, and I am so grateful for her support of the podcast with both encouraging words and also helping to produce the show with her dollars. If you want to be super cool like Carol and get premium content, in addition to the weekly free episodes, head to com slash community to join. Today, for our season five finale, we're going big and talking to writer and speaker Adrian Collins, a birth mom, bio mom, and adoptive mom. Usually, this is where I give you a synopsis of my guest's bio, but I can't figure out how to do that without spoiling her story because it's an amazing one. So I will just say that you'll want to stick around until the very end to hear about all her life's journey. And if you want to hear my fun segment with Adrian where we talk about things from hunting and gathering to Adrian's obsession with lotion, you can grab that on Patreon as well. Okay, on with the show. All right, guys, welcome to the Adoptive Mom Podcast and welcome to my guest, Miss Adrian Collins. How are you doing today? I am great. Thank you so much for having me. This is just I'm so excited about this interview. Oh, me too. I have known your story for a while now. We connected like I want to say like a year ago and So I'm super excited that we're making this interview happen and that I get to share you with my listeners. So thanks for joining me. Um, Will you take a minute and just introduce us to you? Absolutely. Uh, My name is Adrienne Collins, and I'm
1: a wife of um, my high school sweetheart. I'm a mom of five kiddos, three of which I homeschool right now. And then one is in college and one is
0: just out in the world. So that's what I am right now. That's so fun. And you're, you like do writing and speaking and stuff like that too, right? Oh, yes.
1: I... Lo- I'm writing, I am working on my first memoir uh, about hope and healing through a trauma and finding yourself um, through that journey. And I also love speaking to the adoption community and to women. I just have a heart for adoptive parents, birth moms, and just, um, yeah, women as we go through this journey of life and all the demands that are upon us and how we navigate those. So.
0: Yeah, and I don't want to give away any spoilers, but you have a heart for adoptive moms and birth moms because you are both of those things, right?
1: I am both of those things. I am a birth mom and I was a, became a birth mom when I was, gosh, you know, 20 years old. And then part of my journey, my story is I became an adoptive mom later on. And it's been a fascinating ride with those two perspectives.
0: Yeah. Oh, and I can't wait to hear the full story. So with that said, why don't you just go ahead and uh, let us in on your, your life? Great. Well, I'm going to start back in college and that's kind of where this
1: journey began. Um, When I was a junior in college, I was, I was at a private Christian college. I was an RA I had all these leadership roles. I was, you know, an editor in chief of a magazine, um, writing in a newspaper, interning, and I learned I was pregnant. I was in, I mean, I always dreamed of being a mom one day, Um, just not yet. I had no way of providing the kind of life I felt my baby deserved. I was in a, Serious relationship with my boyfriend, who at the time was living back in Colorado, but we had no plans for marriage at the time. Um, I often say the most expensive thing I owned was my purse, which is probably true. I I I didn't know where to go, what to do, and so for the longest time, I hid my pregnancy because I was afraid I was going to be kicked out. And 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 times have changed, and I mean the the rules are probably less rigid than they they were back then. But there was no place for me in that leadership role I knew as an, an unwed pregnant mom. And so I hid my pregnancy, um, which was really difficult and just wrestled with my decision. I didn't tell anybody. I remember telling my parents, probably about three months into the pregnancy. And while they were Completely supportive. They were, of course, disappointed, um, but just said that they support whatever decision I would make. And so, my mom brought up the idea of adoption, and I really wasn't ready to even wrestle with that or just wrap my brain around that because I wanted to be a mom so badly. But I knew that was a journey that I needed to kind of at least, at least um, touch on, at least explore. And so I remember finally confessing to one of my college roommates that I was pregnant. And she told me that her family knew an adoptive couple who was interested in in adoption. And so I she asked if she could send my contact information to them. I said yes. And maybe when I was, maybe four weeks later, this adoptive couple sent me a letter. And I remember opening the letter and read about them and their desire to adopt and not being able to have children. And I remember just taking it and throwing it across the room and it hit the wall. And I was like, I, I was so angry that I was in that situation (laughs) that there was another couple that was ready and prepared and could take care of my child. And I couldn't. And that was such a heartbreaking Realization for me. Um, I remember calling them. I really was in denial for the longest time, and finally, eight months pregnant, I decided I needed to make a decision, and I called them and said, "I'm ready to meet you. Will you consider adopting?" And so we we did not go through an agency. They had a private lawyer. Um, so that was a little bit different for me. So I did not go through like adoptive books or profile books. Uh, I just had a letter and we did visit with them one time. And they seemed um, extremely kind and loving and um, there was no red flags at the time. And so, you know, we we were totally on board and. Um, and chose them as the adoptive parents. So, you know, the hospital time was, gosh, is the most devastating time for any birth mom. And, you know, I I had in my plan that they were going to come and the adoptive parents were going to come and stay there and visit with me in the last second. I was like, no, I don't want you in my room. And it wasn't because I wasn't I changed my mind. It was because I realized that this was the only time I was going to have with my daughter and they would have their whole lives and I would have these 48 hours. And I really wish somebody would have said that's okay. I felt really guilty about that. Um, but I realized that I had to do that for me. And my boyfriend was there and we just spent that time, just holding and loving our daughter before we had to say goodbye, and I'm really glad I took those those hours to ourselves. Looking back, um, it was really important for us. Um, but you know, leaving the hospital is the single most hardest thing I'd ever done. I was devastated. I literally curled up in a ball on the floor of my boyfriend's apartment for days. Um, you know, I talk about the fact that you have all these reminders of being a mom, but you're not like, you know, your breast milk comes <laughs> in, you're fully engorged, um, your stomach is loose, you know, the skin's hanging, and you're just sitting there, you know, your arms empty. I mean, it is traumatic. And I really felt like I was. I I felt like I was going to die. I didn't know where to go. I didn't really have any support after that. Um, So I picked myself up and drove back to college to finish my senior year. And that whole year was a complete fog. I tried to, you know, come back and fit in as a college student, but I really didn't anymore. I, I'd gone through this life experience and I was a totally different person. I was hanging on to grief, didn't know how to cope with it, kept everything inside. And so just, just, you know, move one foot in front of the other, but didn't really know how to, 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 cope with just these feelings of grief and loss and mourning. And so that was just a really hard time for me. It was very lonely, very isolating. Um, My boyfriend, who became my fiance, was back in Colorado. I went back to San Diego. And so it was just a really difficult time, very lonely. Um, But I really just clung to hope that I would see my daughter again one day when the time was right, I clung to hope that I would be okay in time, that I would learn to love again, that I'd, um, the hole in my heart would start to heal a little bit over time and, you know, piece by piece it did, but it wasn't overnight. I was hoping it would be overnight and it took months, it took years. And, you know, even today it still bubbles up and that's the important thing about healing. I realized it wasn't just a quick fix
0: yeah um
1: so years passed. i mean we i married my high school sweetheart uh who was also the birth father to my daughter our marriage started off quite rocky i would say just because we had all these feelings that we had never dealt with about losing a daughter and that was inc- like he had one perspective i of course had a different one just because i she was in my womb i was with her carrying her for nine months and he was not he was in another state so I don't think I think that was very difficult for us for a long time Um, but we worked through it we ended up having three amazing beautiful biological boys and then um, you know probably about eight years later after having kids of my my biological children I decided to be a mentor to uh, to birth moms I felt like I was strong enough and I felt like Gosh, nobody was there for me, really, wow. to walk me through the process, really hold my hand and tell me what it's going to be like. What's it going to be like when you leave the hospital? Um, what does it feel like to say goodbye? What does it even feel like to what What rights do I have in the hospital? And while it's one thing to hear from a social worker, I felt it was totally different to hear from perspective of another birth mom. And so I volunteer, I started volunteering uh, in Colorado as just a mentor, no one of professional guidance, just a friend to walk alongside these girls. And we, my husband and I were considering a fourth child, but we had never talked about adoption because I just didn't feel like going down that road ever again. I didn't really anticipate that. But one of the moms that I had mentored, she was a family friend and she had encountered an unexpected pregnancy. And I told her I'd walk alongside her and be with her and guide her through the process and answer any questions she had. And one coffee meeting, I remember she just looking at me just with tears in her eyes and just, she's about six months along and she just said, Hey, would you consider being the adoptive mom to my son? And I just said, yes. Immediately, I didn't even ask my husband. I just said, yes, yes, <laughs> I, I, yes, I will. Um, I was so excited. And thankfully, my husband was on board completely. I thought Julie as a birth mom that even though I didn't anticipate going down that road, that, oh, I since I knew where she was coming from, that I could just jump into the role of adoptive mom and know what that was like and totally be prepared. I definitely was not. <laughs> I I had all these, you know, expectations that I started putting on myself and that I could be this perfect adoptive mom that I would just automatically have these feelings of love for this um, beautiful son that she was carrying and that he would fit in perfectly with the family. And I just set myself up for failure because I didn't anticipate that I would all these fears would start coming up. And a lot of them was based around what if I can't love him the same? What if I don't have enough love for everybody? What if I disappoint her as a birth mom and I'm not the person that she thought I was or c- couldn't um, love him the way she wanted me to love him? I mean, all of these kind of fears and doubts started just eating me up, but not only that, as a birth mom, I was watching her go through this process and I knew how much pain she was going to carry. And to watch somebody go through it, you're supposed to be excited and celebrate this new life coming to your family. But I was devastated for her because I knew what she was going to carry. And those two emotions for me were so complicated. It was like I was, all these feelings of being a birth mom were bubbling up at the same time that I was trying to be excited about being an adoptive mom, and the two just did not correlate. Um, So by the time she gave birth, and I knocked on that hospital door to come inside to her room and hold him. I mean, it was everything I could do to not run. And I cringe saying that, you know, like, ah. I wish... I watched all these videos of these adoptive parents, you know, coming in and so excited. And I just wanted to run. I was terrified that I was making a mistake or that I was going to be a failure. And those fears really didn't allow me to connect right away. Um, I felt like I was holding a stranger. And, and I guess in essence, I was. But I viewed him as, oh, he's so different than my biological boys. He looks different. He smells different. His feet are different. I mean, everything, I just started like coming up with all of these reasons he was different. And I don't know why I did that. I think it was just a way of protecting my own emotional just, um, issues as a birth mom, because I hadn't dealt with it. I'd kept it stuffed inside for so long that I, I had never opened up and even shared with a lot of, with Anyone's outside of my family that I was a birth mom. And so I had a really hard time um, with those first few months of bringing him home. And by the time I brought him home, within two weeks of bringing him home, I got a phone call um, from our birth daughter. And she was 12 years old by this time. And I'd seen her once maybe in 12 years. And she called us just completely out of the blue. Here I am carrying a newborn adoptive son, trying to wrestle with the fact that I'm an adoptive mom and trying to take care of his birth mom, make sure she's okay. And then I have our birth daughter call us out of the blue. And she just wanted to visit and get to know us and get to know her brothers. And I mean, I was so overjoyed to hear her sweet voice. Um, I was so excited to have her. And I just remember though, you know, looking at our son and thinking, or my newly adopted son and thinking, what is she going to think? You know, here I am, I made an adoption plan for her, but then I adopt another and bring another one in. How's that going to make her feel? Mm. And that was really an interesting perspective. I really had to um, make sure I addressed it with her. I was I just was like, how would she feel? How would how would those feelings of abandonment come up in her? Because um, I was really at this point starting to verbalize the feelings really come to understanding what that looked like, what healing was for me, what what healing would be like for her. And so when she came to visit, oh, my gosh, I was just, you know, standing at the doorway, I just couldn't wait to see her. And her adoptive parents came inside with her and I just embraced her and so did my husband. And, um, she had this long blonde hair and blue eyes. and She was just breathtaking. You know, she was, and she got to meet her sweet brothers. Um, I only told them like a week before that they had a sister. So you know, I was kind of all shocking at once and they loved <laughs> on her. They, you know, fought over who would sit next to her at the table. They played outside on the swing set and jumped on the trampoline. And, you know, I, I we just had this amazing time. It was so bittersweet because it was like, well, this might, would this have been what my family would have looked like if we had not chosen an adoption plan? And I really had to be careful with those feelings because, you know, you, you could play that what if game all day long and really set yourself up for a lot of just regret. And I really tried hard to say, you know, that I had to tell myself we did the best that we could at that time in our life. And who knows what our family would have looked like outside of that. But this is what it is now. And She stepped back in our life, and we were so grateful for that weekend with her, even though it was so, so hard to say goodbye again.
0: Yeah.
1: But we had promised to stay in touch, and that was a door that had opened for my healing, for her healing. I remember looking at her and just saying, before she left, I was holding our adoptive son, and I just looked at her, and I said, I love you so much just because I adopted a new son and had these three beautiful biological boys does not mean that I love you any less or that I can replace you in any way. And I think she needed to hear those words. I think that was important for her and I'm glad I had said them um, because it opened up a door to my healing, to her healing. And I think uh, it allowed me to just be able to write to her, call her, and, um, you know, she went back home with her to adopt her parents. And so we got to connect just over the years, just through emails, through letters. She came to visit when she was about 17 by herself. And I mean, that was a great time. You know, we had so much fun and she got to bake cakes with her brothers and go swimming. And I think they dunked her all the time because they're boys and they don't know how to, <laughs> <laughs> you know. So like they had no idea how to treat a sister so they're definitely rough they definitely rough play with her but she took it like a champ and she had so much fun and you know why that's going on here I am being an adoptive mom and learning what that's like because so, you know our birth mom was so different her healing process was so different than mine so while I wanted all this space um truly for my healing, you know, she didn't. And she wanted to be more um, involved and, and have visits and, and phone calls and letters. And so, you know, that was foreign to me, because I had to really realize that my healing process is going to be so different than another birth mom's healing process. And that and at first, I thought I was protecting her, you know, by, by giving her the space, but she didn't want that. And she didn't need that. And I really had to ask her forgiveness for that. For years later, for um, not really being understanding with her healing and what she needed. Um, so that really helped me as an adoptive mom to just being able to recognize that the differences and to empathize with her and put myself in her shoes. And um, over time, um, not overnight, but over time, I definitely developed a, just a greater bond with our son and learn to let go that just because it didn't happen overnight doesn't mean I was any less than a good adoptive mom, whatever that means. But that just, it was okay. I wish more women would have spoke about that sometimes attachment doesn't happen right away. Yeah. And that was something that, you know, I really wish from our community that would have helped me a lot through that process. But again, I, I kept a lot of things silent and secret. And so I had to really learn to if somebody else wasn't going to open up, maybe I should start the conversation. So I, I have learned a lot through being an adoptive mom and, um, you know, we continue to bond and have an amazing relationship with our kiddo and he's so great. And, um, but, you know, just to, just to kind of go on to the next event when my daughter turned 18, you know, everything just changed. And I, you know, there's so much involved in that and so much to say about it, but it it just comes down to that her adoptive parents chose no longer to parent. They essentially disowned our daughter. Um, we realized that her childhood had been very difficult. There was addictions involved. Um, there were a lot of things that, you know, we didn't know about beforehand and learn later on. Um, she was given an ultimatum to choose us or them. And, you know, we had, I mean, just watching her go through that was almost as heartbreaking is leaving the hospital without her because you put all these hopes and dreams and think she's going to have this amazing life. And when it doesn't turn out that way, um, it's heartbreaking. And I think my husband was the one who came to her and said, we can readopt you. You're 18. Um, Essentially you can go before a court and legally, adopt you so we can take care of you financially support you, um, essentially be your legal parents. And I mean, that was an incredibly difficult process to go through with her. I mean, just to know that I couldn't erase any, any of the hurt and pain she had gone through, but I can only just say, you know, here we are now. I can, I can hold your hand and go through this and teach you or just be come alongside you. Um, cause you're an adult, but, and I can't erase all that the years of separation. And so I, we went through a court system to readopt her and, um, everyone was there, you know, all the boys were there and they were so excited. They already saw her as part of our family. So really it was just a legal document that said we could financially do these things for her. And so we were so honored to be able to do that. Um, we, we still hope that there can be reconciliation one day between her and her adoptive parents. We don't dismiss the 18 years that they did take care of her. Um, and, you know, we never know what happens 5, 10, 15 years from now. So we are still hopeful. But in the meantime, um, she is our, essentially our, our daughter. And we are, you know, just shocked and surprised by what the, how the journey took place. It's not it's not celebratory in the fact where there's still loss there for her. So I'm always careful how I um, approach that subject because it's, it's filled with hurt, but, um, it's just, you know, something that we were able to do and grateful to do it. And so, you know, here we are just, you know, just, we have a bunch of just different, um, themes in our family you know adoption's is a huge part of our family and i've just learned to embrace that journey what it's taught me how to be more open and vulnerable with where we've been and just help educate others on the process and just what i've learned through it
0: hey guys i hope you're really enjoying my interview with adrian she's great isn't she i think so too I'm just cutting in here to tell you about one more way we're celebrating the end of an amazing season here on AMP, and that is with a giveaway. I want to give three of you one of our newest products, the Warrior Mom T-shirt. To enter, go to theadotivemompodcast dot com slash survey and fill out the survey there to be entered. I will draw three winners on New Year's Eve feedback is huge for any podcast and I would love to hear your thoughts and opinions and ideas. So once again, head to the adoptive mom podcast.com slash survey and be entered to win one of three warrior mom t-shirts. Okay. Back to the finale episode. You, I think are like the third or fourth guest that has made me like tear up. So congratulations. Oh, no, <laughs> no, it's a good thing. I'm always like I you know as the host, I try to like hold it together and anyway, your story is so impactful and you know for those of you listening on audio we i I love to do video chats with my guests because I think it it really helps the conversation to feel more uh connected and um and one of my favorite things about watching you tell your story was just watching the emotion on your face, and that tells me that you have really let your walls down to feel those things where you could have hardened your heart. You could have put the, kept those walls up to where you can tell your story and not feel those emotions, but I can tell that you feel them. Um, what's that like?
1: Gosh, it is, it's hard to be vulnerable. I mean, it is scary. The walls are easier. in at first And then you just almost suffer in silence and shame and guilt. And the shame behind that is, is devastating. I mean, it, it is putting walls up to where you cannot have, it almost impacts the way you relate to, to others, um, to your kids, to your spouse. And, and I put up this facade for so long, even to my own children that I have it all together. I'm perfect. I have no faults, flaws. And finally, I just like, you know, just to kind of chip away at those walls. Like they don't need to see that. They don't need to see perfection or the facade of perfection. They need to know that we struggle and we have fears and doubts right alongside them. And while it's been terrifying to be open and honest, it has, like you said, just broke down those walls so I can say, this is life. This is our journey. We need to learn from one another and talk about these things and and really come alongside each other. Stop judging. I know we're so much better at it than we used to be, but stop judging. Stop putting misconceptions out there and myths about one another. Stop putting adoptive parents on pedestals. Stop categorizing birth mothers. You know, we need to stop all of that. And I think that's just allowed me to just you know, come alongside others, which is a bigger heart of much more understanding and empathy than I did before, for sure.
0: And that understanding and empathy is something that I really want to get into with you, because I know that you, like we've said, you know, we've said already that you've lived both sides of this. And I think another interesting thing, um, another interesting duality to note with you is that you've experienced two very different birth mom stories, you know, your own and your son's. And I really, you know, as an adoptive mom, I'm not a birth mom. Um, I I love to bring birth mom stories and really highlight this incredibly important, equally important third piece of this adoption triad that is the most overlooked and that's devastating um, that it's overlooked. And so as an adoptive mom... How did you, what are some of those signs that you saw in in seeing your own story and how you dealt with the pain and how you de- dealt with grief and seeing what you needed versus what your son's birth mom needed? And you said that they were different, but what are some of those things that adoptive moms can look for in in helping the w- their child's birth mom just heal her own heart and walk through that?
1: That's such a great question because you're right. It's so different for every birth mom. And I think adoptive parents need to be really in tune um, to that. And uh, there's this misconception out there that if a birth mom just shuts down, I mean, with communication, decides not to have communication or doesn't write back or doesn't want pictures that she's uncaring or unloving or doesn't want anything to do with her birth child. And, and that is so not true. Um, that is just something I wish we would just um, really nip in the bud there because a lot of these birth moms are healing and to do, and I think the open adoption community, while it's amazing, it's also put a lot of unnecessary pressures on birth mom to say, I I'm going to make an adoption plan, but then I'm going to visit every week. And I mean, for some birth moms that's great for some birth moms that's really hard on their healing process I mean Mm -hmm. for me I had to step back for 10 years and the only visit I had when I had to sit there and watch these adoptive parents feed my child rock my child um put her to bed I felt like such an outsider it was so difficult for me to know my place anymore I what was, I mean, I didn't know if I was like a distant aunt or a favorite, you know, cause I mean, I couldn't even figure out who I was, my role in the situation. And then to watch someone else take care of my dreams. That was so hard on me. Um, and so when I took a step back and didn't have communication, it wasn't because I didn't care or wasn't loving. I had got, my heart was in pieces. I had got to, I had to find a way to heal, to find my strength, courage, to. you know, really just put myself back together again so I could be whole. Um, And I think for adoptive parents to understand that that silence doesn't necessarily mean that I don't want to be in the picture forever. Mm -hmm. It's a temporary situation. So just because the birth mom doesn't write back or call or want to visit for the first five, 10, whatever months, years, doesn't mean to stop trying or to stop. you know, that communication, while other birth moms, when they, they may want communication right away. I mean, our birth mom, our son's birth mom, she wanted to visit and we opened the doors to that. And I wish I had done a better job at that. Um, because again, I was putting my, experience on her and my healing process on her and what I thought was best for her. And that wasn't fair. Um, so I wish I would have been more open with that in the beginning for sure. And just been more in tune with, with how much, how many pictures she needed if she wanted more visits what would that would like look like for her.
0: Yeah. So just being in tune with it. It sounds like, I mean, I think that for a lot of people it's easier to just not Right. And um, oh, sure. to make it important, to make it a priority as an adoptive mom is so necessary. And um, I just, you know, thank you for highlighting that. The next, the next just duality that I wanted to talk to you about is how, how our kids, our adopted kids perceive their birth moms. And obviously you have two experiences with that as well. You know, you, you don't know all of what was going on with your daughter and her adoptive parents, but you know, some of it and you obviously know how you talk about your son's birth mom to him and how you treat her to him. So what are the differences between those two stories?
1: Well, I think for me um, it's, I'm so open with my son about his adoption story, but I'm, I am my son's birth mom, biggest cheerleader. And that is something I mean, this is hard for me to cry about, but I, that is something I really wish my daughter's adoptive parents would have done for me. And just to be my advocate and just be my cheerleader and remember that my sacrifice is what helped you become a family. And maybe I'm not the most lovable person, but it didn't, I mean, I'm still worthy of it. Yeah. And, and I'm I'm definitely not lovable when you're, you're like completely emotional. You've, you know, essentially Given up your heart, given up your dreams, you're navigating that pain. I mean, some birth moms do that great, some maybe some don't, but it doesn't matter. Like I wish that they would have just been just an advocate for me, my cheerleader, and so, and I, I think she heard words about me, and I know she heard words about me that were just so untrue, and maybe to make themselves feel better. And I don't know for certain the circumstances of why, but it has taught me that it is so important for my son to know how much he is loved by both sets of parents. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't matter if a birth mom has a, she's struggling at first, or maybe her life is out of order. I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, she's still a birth mom and deserves that a respect and deserves that love and that care and that just um, kind words about her. And so for my son, I am always, I hope I am always just a big advocate for his mom. And I, we all make mistakes, but I'm not here to talk about her mistakes. I'm here to talk about her strengths, her love, her heart, her dreams, what she wants for him, how much she loves him. I mean, that's the difference. Well, that's what's taught me after knowing what my birth daughter has gone through and thinking she wasn't loved to making sure that my son knows he is loved. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a competition with his birth mom. We, she's not a threat. Um, She's not supposed to be. I mean, we're supposed to compliment one another and fill in the pieces for one another because we're doing this for the benefit of our kids and helping them to grow up as whole adults. And that takes both of us. I mean, one person is not responsible for that. So
0: that's what I've learned. Oh my goodness. I love that so much. Just what you said, like it it takes both of us. That takes all Mm -hmm. of us. That takes the village. That takes, I don't know. And that's, that's something, you know, just in my own story, I had to realize was that I wasn't, you know, we adopted through foster care. And so um, there was a lot of trauma involved with our children, um, namely our teen that we adopted. And it took me a long time to realize that it wasn't, My job alone to fix him Mm -hmm. and that it wasn't a failure if I didn't, that it took a village and it took God, obviously, and it took Mm -hmm. me and it took my husband and it took the the other people that we surrounded our, you know, him and ourselves with and that that's so much pressure unfairly to us and to our children um, to say that. Their success or failure rests squarely on our shoulders as adoptive parents. Um, so I don't know. I just love that you said that. It's healing for my heart, too. So thank you.
1: That, well, you're welcome. And that is your point about the pressure that's put on adoptive parents. I mean, that I have found is is still a huge part a still a huge issue in our community. I mean, I just recently I went to a panel to talk to adoptive parents about a birth mom's perspective and you could still see clearly that they were so worried about, you know, the birth mom and, and her trauma and if she would come back one day and try to take, you know, her child away. I mean, and I just wanted to look at them and say, you are not perfect. You could be one of the biggest um walls that you know create or that don't allow your child to thrive I mean we there's so much pressure on these parents to try to be perfect and to try to do it all and then when they fail and we will fail there we have nowhere to go and I when my adopt when my daughter's adoptive parents left her I mean I was so angry and so So upset and so devastated. And I think I had a right to be. But I remember my mom coming to me and say, Adrian, they're still human. They still have trauma themselves and they're healing. And we can't expect them to be perfect. And for some reason, that hit me so hard that instead of being angry and bitter, I was just like, they have something going on that their hearts need healing for, but I'm here to step in until they can later on, who knows how long, but that took the pressure off me to say, why am I trying to be so perfect for my son? Because when I fail, I'm going to fail hard and I'm not going to have anyone to come alongside me because I put up so many walls on this perfection, this idea of perfection that we have to have. And finally, I just I was like, that's not okay for us to think that we have to have it all together. Um, I think, like you said, it's, it's, it doesn't allow our kids to be able to grow up knowing that thinking that there's something wrong with their birth parents, but that their adoptive parents have it all together because that's not, you know, that's not true. Um, we have to just realize that we're all, we all make mistakes and when we do, we forgive each other and we, you know, we take a step in, in healing and love and keep moving forward, but to address those wounds. Mm.
0: Just so much wisdom packed into all of that. Um, And I want to give you an opportunity to share more wisdom with the closing questions. Are you cool with any of those? (laughs) I love the closing questions. Yes. Awesome. So what do you wish you had known at the beginning of this journey, of all Uh, all of the journeys?
1: (laughs) So hard. Yeah, exactly. You know, I think just I wish I had known it was okay to experience loss and be vulnerable and know that healing wasn't going to take place overnight that it was okay just to um, sit in grief but Just take one day at a time and not expect that I had to put on a face or that everything was okay, that I really wish I would have been more vulnerable at the time and really just opened my heart up to knowing that healing would take place, but it would take time. And yeah, there's so many things, but just just to know that that healing was going to take time, I think is something I wish I would have been prepared for
0: that's a good one because i think that so often especially for um women like me who are prone to anxiety um i think that yeah me too yeah it can be really hard to feel that um like everything needs to be done now and that if it's not done now then it won't get done and that can go for everything that can go for healing that can go for chores that can go i mean it's it's the dumbest thing but it's like y- you you feel like if i don't get this done today, then I have failed forever and ever and ever. Or if I'm not healed today, then I never will be or whatever. And so I love that answer, just that knowing that it's going to take time and that's okay.
1: Absolutely. it's Absolutely. And I think to realize that where you are in right now, it doesn't mean you're always going to be in that spot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that's something I, st- I'm still learning today, you know, um, just because where I am and where my birth daughter's adoptive parents are right now. That doesn't mean they're going to be in that same place five years from now. And where I am in my healing now or where I am in my, um, relationship with our son's birth mom may change and get better over time. I mean, there's just, there's all these things we have to be wait and be patient for. And you're so right. Cause we want to get things done now and see that result now and see the healing take place now. And it just, it just, we got to hold our head high, keep putting one foot in front of the other and just know that, you know, in time, you know, that will
0: take place at the right time. Yeah. So what do you wish you had done differently?
1: Well, I think for birth moms today, I really feel like ethically that we need to look closely at adoption agencies um, versus private adoption. And not to say they're not ethical, but really make sure that the background checks are being done, that if there are red flags, um, especially, I mean, all kinds of areas, but if there are red flags and adoptive parents pass with addiction or things like that, those really need to be addressed, come to the forefront. Really, all of that needs to be given to the birth mom in the very beginning, um, so she can make a really educated decision. Mm -hmm. So I really Feel like the age, I would really love the agencies and private adoption to be more ethical in the way they approach um, those kind of red flags and be more upfront with birth moms. And I mean, that goes with, you know, these profile books that all of us, you know, adoptive parents put together. I mean, I would love to see a profile book that says I have made mistakes. I am not perfect. This is a book of imperfections. Action. and so much we time we put on our happy faces and you know act like we have it all together, but that's not reality, so I really wish that you know just we would just come to the forefront with the issues that are there, things that we've dealt with and just be honest with you know what's in our past and background and just you know have a better educated decision
0: mm, amen seriously I love that um okay, what is your favorite way that your tribe supported you through your all again all your all your processes. <laughs>
1: Well, when I let them support me, I mean, there was years, remember, that I put up walls and nobody could support me. So I seriously, that's the answer. Again, it's when I let down my walls, when I started being vulnerable and sharing with people, that's when I felt most supported. Um, And it was really finding people who are going to love me through my fears. Um, When I said I'm struggling as an adoptive mom, I mean, I don't even want to look at them today. I mean. There are times that I just needed to say, I'm having a really rough day. Um, and when I could find those people to be like, I'm going to love you through this. You're not crazy. You're not, you know, unloving or indifferent. You're just having a hard time just to really come along. So I mean, I mean, once I was open and vulnerable, that was something on me that I had to do to let my community come in and take care of me.
0: Yeah. So would you, would you tie that answer to the next one, which is always, um, What is the way that you felt least supported uh, or what was unhelpful?
1: You know, I would tie that back in. I think, again, I think that being vulnerable is something that we need to do. But I think I've even experienced this recently with working with an adoption agency who knew my story and asked me to speak on a panel, but would say, okay, don't talk about this part. Don't talk about readopting because that could put fear into birth or to adopt a parent. And I'm like, well, but that also could encourage others to see the whole picture and to be educated, but it made me feel like I should carry my shame and guilt about it. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like we, are, we still have these fears and I'm still being misunderstood because we're not, not we, but some agencies don't want, you know, to share the whole story because they're afraid their birth moms will run or adoptive parents will run. But then it doesn't, if we don't share it now, issues are going to come up five years from now, 10 years from now. And so I feel like it's important for all of us, adoption agencies to address the hard issues, to really say, you know, what, what fears do you have as an adoptive parent? And really what myths are you carrying? What threats are you seeing that don't need to be there and really talk about those.
0: Yeah, well, and I feel like, like you're saying, instead of being afraid of that, we should say, what what went wrong here? Um, And how can we be better? How can we rise above that? You know, as adoptive parents, how can we do better? As, you know, how can we be more communicative? How can we eliminate those fears? How, you know, in- Absolutely. Taking a system- that is so flawed. I mean, we all know that the adoption system, all of the adoption systems are flawed, just like everything because we live in a sinful world. And so how can we, how can we look at that and say, how can we do better instead of, well, I'm just not going to try.
1: That's such a good point. That's such a good point. And, you know, a lot of these adoption agencies, training, they'll have a panel of birth parents, they'll have a panel of adoptive parents, but they really need to include a panel of adoptees and really figure out what they feel and what they think and what they're, what they need too. I mean, it, I think that's another area that we sometimes miss um, on what, 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 do they want from their birth parents and what do they want from adoptive parents? What have they learned? So that's something I feel like we need to add more in our training um, for adoption agencies when they're, t- when they're t- talking to hopeful adoptees parents.
0: Absolutely. So if you could sum it all up into one piece of advice or encouragement um, for adoptive parents, what would you say?
1: One piece of advice. I think just opening your heart to To love not letting fear dictate your choices, um, not letting fear dictate your relationship. Um, If possible, like live peacefully with your birth parents and know that they're in a healing process just as much as you are. And just see them as, you know, part of your family. Um, See them as an extended part of your family and just know that they're here to support you and you support each other and just for the total development and maturity and love of a child. Um, and yes, there's times in our walks with adoptive parents that we feel like we're failing, but give ourselves grace. Um, we're not called to be perfect. We're not called to have all the answers, but to really be um, vulnerable and find a community and just know that just because this time may be difficult doesn't mean that it won't get easier or times will change. So just have hope, I think, too. is just a big one
0: good stuff miss adrian collins like all of it all of it i just i'm so excited i you know like i said we connected a while ago and i i knew the like overview timeline of your story but just hearing hearing you tell it with like i said just the emotion and the rawness and the vulnerability and the wisdom is like a whole other experience and i'm just so grateful
1: Thank you. It's so great to talk to you. I'm so glad we finally got to connect. So this is wonderful. Me too. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the Adoptive Mom Podcast. I hope you found encouragement here. I need you to know that you are enough and you're doing a great job. We are all in this together and I am over here cheering you on. Don't forget to check out show notes for this episode and other resources at theadoptivemompodcast.com. Thanks for joining us.